Well, Lil Wayne is back, which means I must be recording the audio today, and everybody's probably thinking, why? Where's Tones? Merry Christmas to everybody, and Tones is basking in the Christmas spirit in Ottawa. So instead of uh, a Doria time, I've decided to invite on a special guest. No intros needed for this guy. It's Dan. This isn't his first time on. Welcome, Dan, and thank you for co-hosting with me today. I think before we go into anything else about episode 99... Of the fourth and long pod of the semifinals from week 16. Dan, everyone wants to know how you're feeling about fantasy football this year. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome. Thank you for bringing me on this. Episode 99, <laughs> I didn't even take that into account. That's a big episode right before the, the biggest one. Uh, no, it's great. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so right away, you're asking me how my fantasy season went? Yeah. Is that we're doing? Oh, oh, God. So, first of all, in my other league, I know we don't talk about other leagues, but in the other league where I was still in it and I had the first seed, I got knocked out because IU got one more point tonight. My whole team did at the end. So I got eliminated. So I officially am not following fantasy football. I can just sit back and enjoy the Detroit Lions as a normal football fan. And that's it. So that's been nice. Uh, but as far as this league, you know, it's been rough. Last week, uh, me and Rich were talking throughout our whole matchup when we said our teams are the best in the league. We're going to have a huge 160-160 kind of matchup, uh, score, like high-scoring matchup, and obviously it didn't work out that way. Both of our teams put up a big dud, and he happened to squeak out a bigger win against me. Um, so how do I feel? Disappointed. A lot of pain. Um, I did not really anticipate me going to the finals I, I knew that um going into the season not having a lot of draft picks uh it was going to be rough and an uphill battle but overall i think i restructured my roster we could get into this a bit more if you want but um overall i'm feeling okay going into next year yeah first of all when it comes to other leagues i just want to throw out there and i gave you the background before we started recording i'm going off to the finals in the guillotine league that i keep talking about every week so just suck on that to everybody else because i just wanted to prove that i can actually have success in fantasy football it just doesn't happen when i have to play nick dotto every single year in the playoffs so let's just leave that let's just leave that there but yeah i mean i I do want to get a quick pulse check on you since you're joining us you've been gracious with your time today and i do want to ask like you have so many potential keeper options for next year. If you're picking today, and I'm saying keepers are deadline, like deadline is due tomorrow. There's so many options. There's the older kind of crew, right? There's the guys like Derrick Henry. Then there's the young guys. It's just like Puka Nakua has looked unbelievable. And it looks like they can sustain two receivers in, uh, you know, with the Rams as long as Matthew Stafford is throwing the ball. Like, if you had to say, and you don't have to tell me, but like, if you had to say, could you give me like three keepers for next year right now? Um, no, uh, I, I do want to keep watching and, and figure it out. And obviously so much goes on in the off season that you never know exactly what's going to happen. What if Derrick Henry has gone and all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, you know, Taji Spears looked really good. Um, what if Jacobs tears his ACL? Who knows, right? Rashad white is not a sexy player, but he's putting up sexy numbers. Maybe that's a consideration. Um, so I think overall going into this season, what, what my main goal was, was, okay, I got five picks in the first three rounds and I had no fourth, no fifth, no sixth, no seventh. I literally knew going in that I was going to have no depth and have pretty solid starters. 
So the solid starters I had was TJ Hawkinson, Rashad White, um, um, I think DJ Moore, and then I believe, um, not DJ Moore, but I had uh, Christian Watson, who was one dud for me this, yep. out, of, out of the top five guys. I took Mahomes as well. And and I was like, all right, so I know I have no depth, but I have pretty good solid starters. What are the chances my starters will be healthy this year? Probably not good, so I probably have to trade some picks away to make my team competitive for this year. And I thought, okay, say I go for it, odds are against me, I lose this year. Um, what are my keepers going into next year? Tyree Kill, he's getting old. You know, Ramondre Stevenson, he's not super sexy. My keepers are not great. Right, and I'm looking at my my past experience uh, um, or results rather, and I, you see 2012, uh, 2022, seventh place, 21, fourth place, 27th place. So I've had a stretch, and now this year, fifth place. I've had a stretch of four years of mediocrity, and I'm thinking, is it because I'm trying to do the Nick Dottle strategy strategy of going for it every year and it's not working? Because if it is, then what's the problem? The problem is that Nick has amazing keepers. And I just don't. Yep. So I, I just thought, all right, I'm going to try going for it this year, but I'm going to try to also take advantage of me getting Bijan and and getting some bona fide young stud as a keeper going into next year, so I'll be a better place. So that's why I did the big Tyree Kill trade. That's why I have CD Lamb. I made my, my keepers young and great, and hopefully it will give me success for the next few years. So I knew if I don't make it, into the finals this year and don't win, at least I have way better younger keepers than an aging Tyreek Hill and a Ramondre Stevenson. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think you nailed it on the head with Nick because we talk about this over and over again. And don't worry, Nicky, we're, we're two minutes away from getting your team, all right? We're almost there. <laughs> but I think his ability to have the top keepers in, like among the top 10 keepers in the league, he's had at least two of them for the last three or four years. You can go for it every year when those guys are ready and clicking in the playoffs. And mind you, JJ got hurt this year. He managed to sustain. He was the second seed, right? He had multiple Christian McCaffrey injuries over the years, and he was able to still sustain. But knowing that those guys are coming back next year, I think it continues to give you the opportunity to make these big swings. And guys like me, and especially you, you know, guys like Tones, we keep making these swings, but we don't have the keepers that are sustaining the backbone of our team and allowing us to do this in a way that brings us back next year stronger than we were before. And so we'll talk about it when we get to me and Nick's team because it's such an interesting stark contrast between the good keepers and the keepers that you can't really rely on and how you can continue to to put this strategy in play every year. And I get what you're saying. I've seen you do this again and again. Your keepers have been a turnstile and it's really, really hard as Anthony has made on this program so many times. It's really, really hard to get those guys and be your glue. And we look at a guy like Rob, Saquon Barkley, Jamar Chase, those two guys alone. Look at the talent on those two guys. You're talking about two guys with the talent to be arguably the best in the league at their position. But the problem is Jamar Chase gets put in a bad spot this year without Joe Burrow, who was actually hurt to begin the year and hindering his production. And Saquon hasn't had an offensive line or an offense that's been able to produce for three years. So despite him being one of the most talented backs in the league, he's just not in a good spot. And a guy like Rashad White, who sometimes looks like he's running in mud, is one of the top running backs in the league because he's just in a better spot. And so even though there's talent there, it's just so fucking hard to get this clicking at the right time. And Nick's been able to do that because of guys like JJ and CMC and Nick Chubb. He's hurt this year. You know what? Doesn't help me. I'm going to go get Austin Eckler, who, mind you, hasn't been good, but having the chip to be able to play, to parlay that into whatever might come your way, like it's just such a luxury. And I think that 
it's just a very rare thing that we have been blessed to see, but also cursed to see, you know what I mean? As guys trying to compete against him. So anyway, I, I totally what you get. I get what you're saying about the keepers and I hear you about just not being able to click on it. But uh, just to answer your question, though, uh, if I had to choose a, th- a third yeah. right now, it might be Puka Nakua only because his, his performance last week was really nice to see the nine catches, 164 yards, a touchdown with a healthy cup uh, with Stafford there. It just, it does feel good to see stats like that are still being put up after his amazing first five weeks or so. Yeah. But my my, my concern there is um, Stafford is getting up there in age. Stafford likes to pepper his guys with targets. What is that offense? What does he look like without Stafford there? Does he turn into a Terry McLaurin? You know what I mean? Does he turn into a guy who just gets six catches and 60 yards because there's no Stafford peppering him? I don't know. But at the very least, Stafford is going to be there for another two years. So he is a good option to – in, in the short term, I think. Yeah. The last thing I want to say before we move on here is, be, and the only reason I bring this up is because we've talked about you a lot on this pod because of how many splashes you made this year. And the first one started when you traded Tyree Kill. So just to recap, looking ahead to next season, you don't have a first, a second, a third, and a fourth, and you have Ryan's fifth. You're in the fifth round. That's good on the snake. That should be early fifth round. But this all started with Tyree Kill and the trading of Tyree Kill when you were looking to make a big move. When you made that move, were you thinking to yourself, I really want to sell and rebuild and retool here? Or or were you thinking, I'm trading Tyreek to acquire assets, which I'm then later going to use? How did that go through your mind at the time? Why did you pull the trigger on that Tyreek deal? The latter. So so going into the season, I see Tyreek Hill is going for 2,000 yards. Tyreek Hill is 30 years old. Uh, he's probably the best wide receiver in the league. You're doing even better than Jefferson this year. And I'm thinking, okay, if I don't trade him, I, I don't like holding guys until they're old. I don't yeah. like holding guys until they retire, until they break down. I want to trade him at his peak value. So I said, let's throw his name out there in the chat. Let's see what offerings I get. And the goal there was not to pack it in for the year. The goal there was very similar to what Tone said. He said, you're trading a guy like Tyree Kill to get a guy like Tyree Kill, which is true. However, um, I'm getting a guy like Tyreek Hill that's going to be good for the next five years because Tyreek Hill won't be here for five years, right? So not to say that CD is Tyreek, but he's pretty close. He's probably number three in the league, right? It's probably Tyreek, then Jefferson, then Lamb, I I would say. So I'm very happy with him. Um, So that was my goal there was to trade him for as many picks as possible and then flip those picks to get a younger keeper that still keeps me competitive this year. Yep. Makes perfect sense. I just want to jump into the multiverse for a second right before we go into the matchups because this tees oh, everything up. Have to. You, you, play, you, play, <laughs> you played Rob this week, and Rob was kind of mentioning it in the chat, and I just wanted to kind of tie a bow on the conversation that we were, we were looking at in the WhatsApp. So basically, you put up 146 this week, you beat Rob, Rob put up 139. If you had beaten Rich to play Nick this week, the way that the, the, the seeds would have reseeded, and Rob had beaten me, one seed Franco would have played Rob. Rob would have crushed Franco. Two seed Nick would have played you as the five seed. And then you would have beaten Nick by less than one total point. We would have had a Rob versus Dan finals this week. This is why fantasy football is so fucking stupid, man. What are we doing here? What's yeah, the, what's the yeah. point? <laughs> oh, but, but that's if Rob also beats you, right, in the, in the quarterfinal. So that's a it big is. time multiverse. It's not even me being rich. It's also the other matchup changing. Yeah, like because if because if you still won and I beat Rich, I would be facing Franco. Right. 
and I still would have beat him anyways. So either way, actually, it does kind of hurt knowing that. <laughs> oh, God. That, that, um, is, that is the worst because sometimes, you know, we're, you and I especially, I think you and I more than anyone in the league, will go back and look at previous years because we're trying to do things. You're doing them in the chat, and I'm doing things for the pod with Ant, and I like going back in those years and seeing things, and it's just ridiculous going back and seeing like, oh, like I would have won three finals by now if I didn't just lose in the quarters by 10 points to Rob. It's like yeah. just one little thing happens like, oh, he got that defensive touchdown. That was actually eight points and I lost. And then in 2017, he wouldn't have never made it to the finals and I would have won. the. It's like, yeah. it's so fucking brutal when you go back and look at those things. But whatever. I digress. I wouldn't worry so much if I hadn't won a championship before. And here we are. Year 10. I thought it was a decade year, man. I'm getting married next year. I thought it was going to be my year, but I forgot something really key here, Dan. I forgot that Nick Dotto is also getting married next year. And so here we are, Nick defeating me 145 to 110. And I think we got to start on Thursday. And I wanted to start with Nick here, but I do want to start in order and go in the order that this happened because Chris Olave and Kyron Williams gave me a respectable, I would say above average projection outing on Thursday night. So they go... And do their job. Olave gives me the best start of the year he's had. And Kyron Williams just basically does what he needs to do. I didn't expect them, though, to be the only two guys or two of the three guys that exceed their projections this week. Jalen Waddle, as he has done in so many games this year, gets hurt. But this time, he gets hurt, comes back, and gets hurt again and does not return. After a big 50-yard reception, he's out. Moster hurt for the second half. They kind of kept him off the field. They moved to Jeff Wilson in the fourth quarter. He doesn't come back. Darren Waller had two catches against a really great matchup, and I had zero points out of my Indianapolis defense. So oh, boy. it's just bad to worse as the matchup's gone on. Now, mind you, I had 35 points to make up in this matchup. I'm not saying that Waddle and Mostert get it done by themselves, and Waddle has proven he hasn't been able to do that this year. But at least I got crushed to Nick, and it wasn't like he just... You know, it, it was a, a tight matchup like me and Rob last week. But, yeah, just not yeah, there's a... there's no looking back for you about what you should have, could have, would have done. If you're losing by 35 points, it just wasn't in, wasn't in the cards for you. Yeah, and, and we're going to go into me and kind of do a, a bit of a recap of my season in a second. But we have to finally give Nick his flowers and get to this, right? Nick getting only 10 points out of Eckler, who was one of only two skill players who falls below his projection this week. But I didn't know that on Saturday when I was looking ahead. This to me, Dan, and I'll get your thoughts, this felt over on Sunday when J.J. had his big fourth quarter. He was kind of held in check, only four catches for 80-something yards, but then he goes off, finishes with 23 points, his best number since week four. Lockett matching DK, big problem for me when you're looking at the Seattle offense, and then Mike Evans with the nail in the coffin, and I think that was, you know, even before we had Lamar, Kittle, and CMC come out and have huge nights on Monday, so... Huge outputs by Nick, and this is actually his highest score that was recorded since week eight. By week last week doesn't count. And my takeaway from Nick, and I'll get your thoughts as well, the big boys just doing what they do all the fucking time. They just show up when he needs them the most. You know, most points scored for him in literally half of the season going back to week eight. So as they usually do, McCaffrey, you know, Justin Jefferson, fucking Mike Evans, the playoff performer himself. So yeah, your thoughts as you're looking at Nick's team and, and he's off to the finals now. You know, his team is solid, like top to bottom. I know that he's had 
many down weeks, and it might be because of Kittle being a boomer bust, Lockett kind of being boomer bust. Rashi Rice has been actually been putting up good numbers, so I was going to say him, but he's had good numbers. As kicker and his defense did absolutely nothing this week, so at least we know he's not a god for those two positions. Um, you know what it is? It's 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 you have guys on your side. Like it must be frustrating to be an Etienne and a um, Waddle owner this year because you know in the beginning of the year we were negotiating and talking about Etienne a bit, and I, that was around the time where he in week five he put up thirty four fantasy points, yep. then twenty one, then twenty, then twenty four, like unbelievable numbers. Um, mostly from touchdowns now that I'm looking at it. But then you got Waddle as well, who's put up numbers like last week, 8 from 142 and a touchdown, and you expect that more from him. How frustrating is it for you to have to own guys like Etienne and Waddle and not knowing where you're going to get every week? You know, Waddle was so good last year, and even with Tyreek, they showed that they could coexist. It was basically one week and then another. They would flip back and forth, and I would kind of yeah. anticipate that, right? It's okay. It's my wide receiver too. I had, you know, CD last year who was solid, so it's all good. Etienne's the one who's been killing me because this guy up until this past week was the RB3 on the year. It's CMC, it's Mostert, and it's Etienne. Until this past week where Rashad White finally overtook Etienne. But if I asked you last week, who's been a better fantasy player? And not to throw the bias on you, but who's been a better fantasy player? Rashad White or Travis Etienne? I think the, sh- the, the recency bias would have told you, oh, Etienne sucks. It's clearly been Rashad White. But no, it only flipped this past week. And they're only less than one point apart. So ETN, early in the year, Dan, amazing until the bye. But then you look at his numbers over the past, I don't know what it is, five or six weeks. This guy, five points, seven points, seven points, four points. That's four of the last seven weeks, I'm sorry. That's the totals that he's put out. Five, seven, seven, four. The other ones have been double digits, 10, 15, etc. But he looked like a league winner early in the season. And then I grabbed Kyren Williams to pair with him and Mostert who was the RB2 on the year in Mostert. I had a little bit of wide receiver depth. So I looked at this team two or three weeks ago and I thought, if if ETN can just pull his head out of his ass and give me one week where he does the 15 to 20 or even more, if I'm lucky, that he could have done and did do so many times earlier this season, I'm kind of laughing. I'm laughing my way arguably to the finals, but he just stopped showing up for me. And obviously this goes way deeper than just fantasy football. Things are going on there. He's hurt. This offense sucks. But yeah, it's been a frustrating year to be owners of those two guys because the talent is obvious. We talk about talent all the time. Waddle's been hurt all year, and Tyreek's the star there, and ETN just hasn't been showing up in that offense. So to answer your question, man, yeah, when you're leaning on those guys in a week like this and you're going up against McCaffrey and Evans and JJ, it's fucking frustrating, dude. It is very frustrating to watch. For sure. Do you want to go into a little pulse check on you? How are you feeling about everything now, or do you want to say it later? No, we can do it now, man. I think that my season, in a nutshell, comes down to not enough, uh, not a high enough ceiling with the group that I put together. And the reason why is because I sold early in the season, and then I realized that I had a shot at this thing, and I tried to pick up the pieces and contend. This well, week, you, go ahead. Just to quickly prep, like you going into the season. Even listening to the early podcast, you you seem so like beat up. Like you were sick of Nick's success. You were you were so over fantasy and and your your own team and, and the, the the slow start you had. It just seemed like you were like giving up on the league and not even wanting to be a participant in the league and just being the commissioner from afar. You know what I mean? You were so over it, and then going into you know a couple weeks in, you're trying to sell people. You give me CD Lamb. So how does that um, thought process turn into um, 
I'm going to win this year. Like, do you, is it just that you happen to be rattling off a lot of wins and you're like, huh, let's, let's see what I, get, what I have here. Or is it like, yes, this is what I always knew I had. This is what, you know what I mean? Like what's your confidence level going into the playoffs? I was so frustrated early in the year because I looked at other guys with their keepers and then their keepers come out and perform, right? It's the same thing. JJ started early on fire. CMC started early on fire. Nick loses Chubb and then he still manages to pull it together. Ryan, who just won back-to-back championships, is like, fuck it, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to retool and, and do these things on the fly. I'm sitting there with my team. I'm like, I'm 10 years into this league. I've had such good keepers over the years, and I'm going into this year, and I like my players, and then no one shows up early in the year. I traded CD because he was irrelevant, and that Cowboys defense looked like they were lost. And now they're one of the top three offenses in the league right now, you could argue, behind yeah. you know San Francisco and Miami. And it's just so frustrating because... Waddle was, tough, was was a tough player to watch. ETN started very slow before he hit his stride in like weeks four or five. And CD was shit. And I'm like, these guys on paper were top 30 guys, top 20 guys in terms of rankings. And everybody had them in a really great spot. They were in great offenses. So like, what's happening? And I was just beaten up. So I decided to sell because I was tired of just being a participant. I was like, fuck this. I'm going to try to do my best to like retool. Maybe I lose this year. Maybe I get another really high draft pick. There's really good players in the first round next year. Let's just figure it out. But then Dan, I won nine of the next 10 games. And during that winning streak, I'm looking ahead at my schedule and I'm just like, well, there's a path here to be the two seed. And Nick and I, with the same record, he beat me on the points four by a landslide there, but there was a path to be the two seed. Get a bye, Dan, you know this, anything can happen. So I looked ahead and I saw the opportunity, but when I traded CD, it put me kind of into a spiral because I was looking for that wide receiver one spot all year and he wasn't giving it to me. So by trading him away and getting Olave, at the very least, I'm getting a player who's comparable in clearly a worse position this year, but at least a guy who has potential for next year to be really good and I'm getting a second. So whatever, I'm selling on the year, it's all done. When CD hits his stride and he explodes... Ultimately, it wouldn't have mattered for me. Like I said, I won nine of the next 10 games after selling anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. And this week, it wouldn't have mattered either. He put up 23 points or something, and and Waddle had, uh, Olave, sorry, had 18. That's the replacement, is that five points between Olave and CeeDee. So it doesn't matter either way. It's just annoying because it's like this fucking guy was shit, and then I traded him. This is how it happens. It's, it's, It's fine, but... Yeah, to answer your question, Dan, I was frustrated early in the year, and the only reason I got confidence back was because I kept winning over and over and over again, and it looked like certain guys were hitting their stride at a certain time. DK was one of those guys. I thought this guy was going to be unbelievable. Mostert, still chugging along, doing his work, and Kyron Williams looked like league winner potential the way that he was kind of rolling in that offense. So I saw the potential. I saw the path there, and Dak was obviously hot too. But it's just obviously not putting it together in that one week. It's That's it. Nail in the coffin, and I can't overcome 145 points. My team is not built to do that. So, yeah. For sure, but you, you put up a good point with regards to your trades. Uh, they wouldn't have mattered anyway. So, at the very least, you lost. You lost by a lot. And going into next year, you have a couple <laughs> picks. <laughs> you have a couple picks next year, right? So, so you're in a better position next year. How are you feeling about your keeper situation? Nah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not keeping, you know, I'm probably not going to keep a guy like Raheem Mostert. It was lightning in a bottle this year and he's going to be 32 next year. So I get that. I just, I'm, it's the guy, it's the guys like Waddle really and Olave. Like, are these guys going to be something next year and Olave having a bad year, but a year where he actually still managed to produce a hell of a lot in a situation where he just was not himself. Drops all over a plate, all over the place for a guy who's really talented. No chemistry with his quarterback, Right. I think he's going to be all right next year because I like the talent, but 
what am I saying? It's fucking December. Who knows what it's gonna, what's going to be next yeah. year, right? So I like ETN for next year. I think he's banged up, and I think that Jacksonville can only be better next year. I really like Olave for next year, and I got to be honest, I think Kyron Williams might be a fucking guy for at least one more year because what we've seen out of him and the way that he's running and the way that he's working in that offense, there's potential there for him to be maybe not you know the only guy there, but at least a guy who is looked at as the RB1 on his team. And I know that his coaching staff loves him and the scheme isn't going to change and the quarterback isn't going to change. So I'm a little optimistic on Kyren, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's very similar to like my Rashad White situation where he's, they're putting up amazing numbers, but it's like, do you really want to keep Rashad White? It's similar with Kyron. He doesn't look like the an all-star, but right. at the same time, you cannot argue that his numbers are, are all-star. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it for me. If that answers yep. your questions, I think that's. I think basically, if you're just going to put my season in a nutshell, not a high enough ceiling. I sold and then tried to pick up the pieces late in the buying window to try to figure out where I can put guys in the right spot. Uh, it's a shame that I wasn't one seed lower and I would have played Franco this week, but it is what it is, man. Uh, it is what it is. It's funny because I actually beat Nick in weeks. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. Week nine or ten, I beat him by one point, one single point. And I looked at that at the time and I'm like, thank goodness I did because now I have a path to the two seed. Nick ends up getting that for me on points four. If I had lost that game, Rich would have actually um, been a seed ahead of me. And then I would have been in a spot where I would have been in one of your matchups last week and I would have played Franco this week. So literally the whole season coming down to one single point that I beat Nick before when he didn't have JJ available. And that ends up bumping me into a seed that's higher, which you think is better. But playing Franco this week would have been much better than playing playing Nick Dotto. So I'd be off to the finals. Speaking of which, should we move to the Franco and Rich uh, matchup? Yeah, I just want to – we should. And I just want to – for the last time here, we've talked a lot about my team. And I just want to say congrats to Nick once more. Because for the fourth time in six years, Nick is off to the finals. I think we're going to go through some of his stats, Dan. That's just a couple things that you and I pull just on Nicky and, and uh, when we get to the finals matchup. But I do want to say, Nick, respectfully – Congratulations. You're on your way to the finals. Congrats, buddy. And you're going to take on uh, one of the guys that we're mentioning in this matchup right now. But, Dan, like you mentioned, Rich and Franco. And before we talk about Rich, I want to bring up a stat that Mike brought to the table. And since I got Stack Eye Dan on here, it seemed like an appropriate time to do this. <laughs> Let's go through the worst playoff performances of all time. Mike, thanks for asking for it. We went through the numbers, crunched them. And I just want to clarify that this is championship bracket only. So I'm not including loser bracket. I'm also not including the third place game or the fifth place game. So we're talking quarters, semis, and finals only. Mike, you called it. Franco's performance this week of 59 points to 153 to Rich. But 59 points by Franco was the single worst performance of all time. 59 points. I couldn't believe this. But in 2018, I actually had the second worst performance of all time with 65 points. That was another semis performance. Um, you know, sometimes, Dan, when you make it to the playoffs every single year, you're going to have some duds, right? You're just going to... Yeah, gonna... tell, tell uh, Nick that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> the, uh, the third worst playoff performance of all time was in 2017. 71 points in the finals by Franco. Now, I believe this was Franco's first year, and he made it to the final... Was it the first or the second year? Do you remember that he made it to the finals? uh, I don't remember off the top. Might have been the second year. He joined and then made it in the second year. Could have been the first, though, taking over Jared's team. But 71 points in the finals by Franco. And the last two guys rounding this off, fourth place, Rob, 
2016, Rob had 74 points scored in the semis. And Rich, in 2014, our inaugural year, had 77 points in the semis. And I got to say this, there's, there were tons of other scores that we pulled that were in the 80s. Many different culprits here. A bunch by Genera, the poor guy. Um, <laughs> but those are the worst. 77 and lower, all the way down to Franco's 59 this week. Interesting. So one thing that, that sticks out um, is that Franco's name pops up twice. Yes. Um, so that's something that we could kind of get into once we go into his matchup a bit more. Um, I, I don't think it, it's it's too surprising uh, based on what Tones have said in the past, what you, we, you, me and you have said in the past about how he GMs his team. Um, but we can get into that in a little bit. Let's talk about this week and what happened here. So 59 points for Franco and 153 points for Rich. Wow. So Rich's team, like if you're looking at top to bottom, you see Amari Cooper, 46 fantasy points. Yeah. How about that for clutch? Like, you look at that on your Sunday and you think, how do I lose? How do I lose with a guy, with one guy putting up <laughs> 13 less points than Franco's entire team? Dude, um, all he needed this week was Amari Cooper's 46 and Tyree Kill's 14, and he would have beaten Franco by a full point. That's it. He needed two guys. But instead, he had an entire roster of guys performing. It's unbelievable. This guy, 265 yeah. yards, 11 catches. He had two touchdowns. Joe Flacco. Holy shit. Who could have seen this coming, man? This guy might win comeback player of the year, and he's played four weeks. It, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, looking at that, when Mike trades Amari Cooper to Rich, Rich is probably pressing accept on that trade, thinking, fuck me, man. What am I doing? <laughs> Taking this scrub on my roster. He plays in shitty Cleveland with a shit quarterback. He's on yeah. his third stringer. He plays in shit weather all the time. We did the splits last year. Amari Cooper at home in Cleveland versus on the road in any sort of weather condition improvement was night and day. And here he is, 46 points. The guy's been an absolute stud the last few weeks. So shout out. If we had the Greg Jennings drop with Tones this week, he would be our Greg Jennings performer of the week. We don't. I'm sorry. Apologies to the group. But congrats to Rich and Amari Cooper. Yeah, no, looking at his team, that, that's a scary matchup. I'm so excited to get into the finals matchup later in the preview because the, both of these teams, Nick and Rich, are stacked, and it's going to be really fun to look at. Um, I guess Pacheco has a cue here. Is Pacheco, oh yeah, he had the concussion, so he's going into next season a little injured. Yeah, next week. Yeah. yeah. It's tough because we've seen early in the season, we saw a lot of guys go into that concussion protocol and not one of them came out on the other side. But now we've seen a couple of guys over the last couple of weeks go in and be okay. Olave did it a couple of weeks ago. We ended up playing on a full week's rest. So you never really know. I guess it's just, it's a head injury. You, you never know. But outside of Pacheco, the thing that stands out to me the most is I think Rich might be in a position where he's healthy for the first time this season. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to kind of pull the, the, the plug on Michael Pittman yet or commit to Michael Pittman, but concussion off for a week could be back next week. And if that's the case, he's looking at a healthy Jonathan Taylor. He's looking at a healthy um, Aaron Jones for the first time in many, many weeks. So Rich having a plethora of options with a couple really good matchups going into next week. We'll keep it to this week, though, because we're going yeah, to do yeah. the, the, the preview in a second. But it's just there's consistency across the board. And like I said, if you cut, you know, 30 points out of Amari Cooper this week, this guy still has 125, 124 points. So it was just a complete effort, even with a special teams that just didn't show up for him. It's a dangerous team. We've been talking about it for weeks, but he would have beaten every other team this week. So, Rich, coming up when it matters the most. And I think it's interesting to me, you look at Rich's last 
So three of Rich's last five weeks, 153 or higher. He also had 163 and 170 in there, something around there. Yeah. Just getting hot at the right time. I think when you talk about regular sports, this is what you talk about all the time. Who is hot when it matters? And Rich right now, obviously, coming in from this week, got to be a scary matchup for a guy like Nick, who's going to be going for his third straight or third, uh, yeah. third championship. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think Rich uh, is healthy at the right time, and his team, while healthy, is exactly that. You need to put up at least 150 to beat this team. It's, it's, it's scary. And, it, you know, if Pittman's not in, you feel more than confident slotting in Cooper after that performance. If uh, Pacheco's not in, Aaron Jones on his bench got him 14 points. You feel more than fine putting him in. No, Rich is going to be just fine, and and I think it's going to be fireworks in that matchup. Yeah. Um, looking at Franco's side of things, I know going into this week, we 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 had you know the elephant in the room with is he going to start Kincaid as a second tight end, and we collectively face palmed in the, in the group chat. <laughs> You're doing it right now on my screen. <laughs> You're face palming, just hearing about it. Um, it's you could obviously say at the end of the day it didn't matter when you get 59 points and you lose by 100 but to, to go back to what you said when two of the of the five worst performances of all time in the playoffs are franco i can't help but think it is these type of decisions like franco love the guy as a person but as a fantasy gm he is super stubborn and he just says, I'm going to draft the best team I can draft. And, and credit to him, he's a great drafter, maybe the best he drafter is. in the league. He is. Um, however, he sticks to his guns, and, and he said it with this quote. What was his quote with Kincaid? You have it there. Dude, so the actual quote, Kincaid is one of the guys that got me here. He's a placeholder until I find out what's going on with Demarcus Robinson or feel more confident in Adam Thielen. Guy, there are one to two weeks left in your fantasy football season. There's no figuring out what's going on with Adam Thielen. There's no figuring out what's going on with Demarcus Robinson. you got to play the players that are going to score the points. And Dalton Kincaid is not that guy. He is on most droppable lists over the last three weeks of any fantasy article you read. His highest performance since week 11 is seven points. He had zero last week on two targets. This is not a guy who got you here. His highest performance of the season was 15 in week eight. This is not the dude. And mind you, I understand Demarcus Robinson may be not the most reliable guy. He's only come on as of late. And while he's put up double digits in the last three weeks coming into this week, he had his biggest performance of the season this week. I think something that you said stands out to me the most, and it's the roster construction and the stubbornness because I am glad to go up against a guy every year who's just going to not make any moves because it means, hey, if there's a better chance of me winning, I'll take it. And anyone else that he would have played this week, he would have lost to, right? So this is the thing that gets me is that if he's listening or if anybody's listening, it's like, well, Alex, it doesn't matter. It also didn't matter that I didn't have CD this week because he wouldn't have won me the week anyway. But I think the point is to say that when we're looking at week 9 and 10 and 11, you're trying to put yourself from a process standpoint in the best position to win and to succeed. And if you told me that Adam Thielen was going to be the wide receiver 5 on the year, you know, back in week 8 when he was, I would have said, you're fucking insane. This is obviously not going to be sustainable. And it hasn't been. And Damian Pierce was a zero for so many weeks. And Brian Robinson stinks. And then what happens? One player in Keenan Allen goes out and you see, like, you know, cracks in that armor, 
right? And we knew that. We knew that. We've been saying it all season long. We're yeah. saying, Frankel, you have to make these trades and get depth because your team is, has been healthy this year. That's why it's been doing so well. No one's team is healthy the whole year. Eventually, he catches up to them. And you can see it now in the playoffs. His team falls apart, and he has zero depth, and he's scrambling. And look at Rich with Amari Cooper. That is exactly why you make a trade like that. You have guys who are out. You slot in the guys you traded for, and he gets him 46 points. That's what Franco's missing. You're not making any trades for your depth. He's sticking about his starting roster at all times. He's not even considering his bench. Get rid of all your guys um, that are just average bench guys and make them into studs that you can interchange and play matchups into your roster. That's how you win championships. He, his formula is how you win seasons and how you get into the playoffs consistently. It is not a formula for how to win championships. 10 moves made, the lowest in the league. $98 left in Fab, the lowest in the league by a landslide. Like we said, he's losing to anyone this week, so ultimately it doesn't matter, and that's okay. If you want to hang your hat on that, it helps everybody sleep at night a little better, that's fine. It's funny that the two moves he did make this year, and we will give him credit for it, Jalen Hurts trading you know, a second to, to Anthony for Jalen Hurts, 22 points, one of the top quarterbacks of the week, and obviously a stud, the QB, one of, one of the you know best QBs on the season. And Debo Samuel, seven points was terrible, but it was his second best performance of the week, and that's a guy he traded George Pickens for. Funny, George Pickens decides to show up And you up can ask week. Tones about it, and you can say, um, you know, how did that Hurts trade come about? He had to... It was like pulling teeth for Tones to get Frankel to bite on Hurts. It, yeah. It's such an obvious thing for him to do because he lost his QB. It's like you need a guy, you get Hurts, you're the only guy shopping for him, so you get him cheap. Like, just take him. It, it, it's it's such an obvious move, and, and it still it took some convincing for Frankel. He is, unfortunately, too stuck on his guys, and that's great. Maybe that's what's fun for him, that that's what he's going to keep on doing, but if he ever wants to win a championship then at least we're telling him the things he needs to do. <laughs> PS, PSA to, <laughs> poor guy. Poor, poor guy just getting roasted. What I will say is, <laughs> what, what I will say in his favor is, what a cute family. Unbelievable. Sending us that Christmas <laughs> photo in the chat, man. The guy's trying to pull the rich the, the rich Ben treatment, trying to give the cookies to the league and, uh, and put that good karma out there. But anyway, a tough week. And I think we just... We leave it there. Just a culmination of the, of the season that was, um, and, and in this moment, it's just not enough from every single position of guys that just, you know, they ran out of gas at the end as a collective group. I will I will end Franco's matchup with this, uh, with a Justin Ross update. Just so everybody knows, Justin Ross, one target, one catch, two yards this week. His first catch since week five. Congratulations wow. to Justin Ross. He's back, congrats, baby. Congrats. Pick him up. I expect Anthony to pick him up this week uh, and play him against Ryan. Yeah. However, we should do a super quick uh, pulse check on Franco now because his season is over. So he's going to go into next season with, uh, I assume, not all of his picks. He did trade one or two for Samuel and Hurts. Yep. So he is limited in a couple of picks. But now his keeper situation, you got Travis Kelsey, who if I was him, I would have traded him this year just like I did uh, Tyreek Hill because you yep. got a guy who's in the twilight of his career up there in age. And you can see the writings on the wall for his career, especially this year. So now you're stuck with Kelsey another year older. Kamara's getting old. Pollard, I don't know how you feel about him. I think everyone was expecting Pollard to be the next RB1 this year up with CMC. But he's been overall pretty disappointing. He's not breaking off huge runs. He only hit 100 yards once this year as far as rushing. Um, so Devontae Adams, obviously old. So what do you? how do you feel about his about his? outlook going into next year picks and um 
keepers considering. I think there's a lot of old guys on this roster, to be honest with you. Um, like if we're even including Keaton Allen, who let's remember who had an outstanding season before this injury, he was incredible with Justin Herbert and they're going to have a new coach next year and they're going to have a new scheme and it's going to be a little bit better in LA, but I'm a little worried too. I'm in, I'm in the same camp as you, right? Kelsey, let's just be honest. Kelsey might retire and I'm not just throwing that out there to, to create smoke and, and, and a potential fire here. Kelsey talked about this publicly, especially considering yeah. his relationship. Like he's marrying one of the richest women in the world, potentially. Not saying they're getting married or engaged, but uh, Vanessa's in the other room. She might be listening. But I'm just saying, <laughs> this man might not want to play football anymore. And honestly, I think you're probably leaning towards keeping him because of the track record. He's still the best tight end in fantasy, but it's a real conversation now with other guys, right? Kamara might be the lean. Pollard, I don't think, is even in the cons- in consideration because. If you look at what the offense has done as they've exploded this year, they've done it with Mike McCarthy controlling the offense. They've done it with Dak throwing the ball. And I don't see any situation why they would pivot from a scheme that's been so successful. This West Coast offense they're running right now, it has Pollard as their featured running back, but it doesn't have him making explosive plays. So I just don't look at it unless unless we hear in a few weeks when you know the Cowboys season ends, you know, arguably in uh, the first round of the playoffs. Um, when we when the Cowboys season ends, it's like, oh, Pollard is actually playing with a stinger or playing with something hurt all year. Maybe. Maybe it's like, okay, he comes in next season healthy. Maybe it's different. But, like, he hasn't really been a massive difference maker this year. So are we now looking at guys like Jordan Addison? Are we now looking at guys like Keenan Allen and Debo Samuel? Is Jalen Hurts as the QB1 a potential option? So there's guys here, but coming into the year, I was so much higher on the – you know, Travis Kelsey, uh, Devontae Adams, and... Uh, Pollard. And, yeah, and Pollard was much higher last year. And going into next year, I'm just not as stoked about the options. There's guys there, but they're not potentially the high-ceiling guys we saw before. So And with the way Franco plays, he needs to draft his keepers because he's not going to be making those big splash trades for his new keepers, right? So right. You, you're going to see, like, does he keep Kincaid? Does he keep Addison? These are the young studs. I don't know. Right, I, I, I don't trust his style enough to 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 keep Kincaid. think that <laughs> to think that he's gonna do like a huge trade for uh, for some young studs. And if he doesn't draft them, then he's looking for a rough, you know, two, three, four year stretch coming up if uh, he can't figure out his keeper situation. Yeah, possibly seen. I'm really curious to see what happens with a guy like Damian Pierce next year because this is this is a terrible, terrible year for Damian Pierce, and it looks like. Once they change the running scheme this year, he just hasn't been able to adjust to that. He is running behind a line that he can't figure out where guys are going to be. And, and I don't know if I just saw such an explosive player last year. And this year, it's just such night and day difference. He didn't forget how to run. He just doesn't know how to run in this scheme. So I'm curious to like track that guy and see where it goes. Not saying that he'll be a keeper, but I'll be honest, man. When he drafted him in the where he drafted him early rounds there, I thought that that was a guy he's looking at to be a keeper option. So we'll see where he goes. But once again, congratulations to Rich. Sorry to Franco. And we'll get back to Rich and Nikki in just a second. But before we do that, we're going to jump right into the loser bracket and just do a couple quick recaps here. Talk about what happened because there are a couple of interesting storylines I want to hit on. We'll start with the 7v10 matchup. We'll talk about Christian defeating Ryan, 143 to 110. Again, we won't spend much time on this, but two guys I want to talk about, three guys, but two guys with big performances. Brees Hall and George Pickens. Hello. These two guys combine for just over 70 points. Brees with 96 receiving yards and 95 rushing yards. They're just using him as their every you know down guy because they're just 
having such a hard time throwing the ball and they're just checking it down to this guy. And George Pickens absolutely explodes for 195 and two touchdowns. I don't know, Dan, like Brees Hall obviously being a number one keeper for, for Genera and he's played in shitty offenses the last two years and he's still been an RB1 type guy. Is this flash in the pan from Pickens? Is it just we finally saw what he's capable of doing? I don't know, man. Like, I think this guy has showed potential. He's had really big weeks this year. But I don't know if he's like the dude going into next year, but he's at least a dude that he can look at as a potential keeper, right? Yeah, I think that um, Brees Hall, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of him, and, and I know CRG is as well. I think if, with some of the stuff he's doing this year, week 5, 22, rushes for 177 yards. This, is, this guy is special. He's a special player. And imagine a situation where he finally has a better uh, O-line and a way better keeper who can actually throw so they can't just keep stacking the box against him. Um, he is an absolute stud and one of the, one of the best dynasty or keeper options out there. Uh, Pickens... I don't know, man. Uh, obviously amazing, 195, two touchdowns this, this week, but only four catches, only six targets. It's always a little scary when the guy gets five or six targets every game. It's very easy to be a bust when that happens, to, yeah. to, to really put up a dud each week when that happens. Yeah, you can see that in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, nine weeks, he's done nothing. Like Maybe one week he did eight yards, but in week nine he had two catches for negative one yard. That's, <laughs> in, his, that's in his realm of options, right? Yeah. So do you want to keep him? I don't know. I think I – think, James Cook is making an interesting case now. I know that Rich was saying, oh, I had him all year, and now that I trade him, he's doing good. He's you know, he's not a sexy player, but last week he put up 179 yards and a, and a touchdown. He gets some catches. That's an interesting option there, too. So he's got he's got some some you know eggs in the basket here for good keepers. I will mention about James Cook, and Rich and I talked about this extensively when he was about to pull the trigger on trading James Cook for either – DeAndre Hopkins from Genera or Marquise Brown from Ryan. It was one or the other, and Rich was basically looking at a one-for-one. One. And when he made the trade for DeHop, who he ended up pulling the trigger on, it was like James Cook was just a fucking guy in an offense that wasn't using him, right? We knew there was talent there. We'd all seen the talent. But when you're in a bad situation, we've talked about this a hundred times, when you're in a bad fantasy situation on an offense that's not using you, man, move the fuck on. The problem for Rich is that within a week after that, They change their offensive coordinator, they adjust their scheme, and they want to make their, wow, crazy concept, your best players a focal point of the offense. And James Cook became a focal point of that offense to the point where Josh Allen a couple weeks ago is throwing 10 times in that game and they're winning by 30 points. So James Cook is a guy, in the opposite way that I talked about Tony Pollard 10 minutes ago, James Cook is in an offense that features him, that does want to use him. They throw it to him and they rush it off, and now you've seen with the opportunity, he can have explosive games like 22 and 35 points. So when I look at the opposite of Tony Pollard, I see James Cook, a guy that going into next year as an RB for Genera, this is exactly the kind of guy that you wanted to trade for if you're Christian, a guy that you can take a shot on with a high upside, and maybe in another situation, a guy like Drake London, who I traded to Ryan, maybe in another situation, this very talented player lives up to his potential. I'm very happy with, if I'm Gennaro and I'm looking at Brees Hall and James Cook, and I just think about who's the third guy? Like, is it Javante? Is it, you know, I I don't know. Is it potentially DeAndre Swift? (laughs) Swift, Like, yeah. yeah, George Pickens? I don't know, but I'm not so concerned about that third option when I have two guys who could be so good. And it's not the best keeper situation, but I do think that there's 
a hell of a lot of potential there. I'd be fairly happy if I was Christian going into next year with those guys. And he's going in for the he's going for the first overall uh, waiver pickup, right? He's going to the finals of the loser bracket. So if he wins that, he can get the first draft, overall pick. Right? Draft pick, yeah, exactly. And on the flip side of that, and we're going to talk about Ryan very quickly before we pivot into the next matchup because there was implications on Anthony's matchup as well with Ryan, but. Ryan getting big games out of guys like T. Higgins and Devonta Smith. And the T. Higgins trade, man, I just got to say, I think that was t- from you, right? He got yes. T. Higgins from you. At the time, man, you're doing what you got to do. You're getting rid of this guy who's just not in a great situation. He's hurt. It is what it is. If you're Ryan, it's just a great trade. We talked about it already, Anthony. It's just a great trade. And you looked at what T. Higgins did. I think it was last week with that catches the ball, extends back to yeah, hit the pylon. Amazing. Like, what a beautiful move from a smart player who's so fucking yeah. talented and a situation that with Joe Burrow has proven that they can sustain two wide receivers. We've seen many offenses do this if they have a high ceiling, and this is one of those, right? So just a great trade by Ryan. Great getting a guy like Kenneth Walker. Obviously, he didn't produce this week, but Ryan with a ton of options next year. But this is not the result that we wanted. And when we're talking about loser bracket results, this is not what he wanted to see. He now will choose third or fourth and not one or two when you're looking at a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. next year in the first round as a top potential you know, first round pick for us. But the problem of this is, as we pivot to the next matchup, is it's Anthony. Mike beats Anthony by one less than a full point. And there's fucking controversy on Anthony's side of this. So oh, no. I was kind of briefing you with this, Dan, before we started, just to make sure you, you remember the situation. But Ant looking... I got I to gotta play a quarterback this week. Who's my quarterback going to be? I got an idea. Why don't I start one of the shittiest starting quarterbacks <laughs> that I can possibly find, do it for the memes, and here I am picking up Tommy DeVito because CJ Stroud was out this week. Tommy DeVito, who puts up 2.7 points. Literally all he needed was another, you know, 25 yards passing. But instead, after the second quarter, he gets pulled for the second half, finishes with 2.7 fantasy points, and Anthony loses this matchup. And, you know, he doesn't give a shit because he's saying, I don't want to give my opponents a competitive advantage. Why would I win? Ryan has my first overall pick. This means nothing for me. So it's in my best competitive advantage nature to screw this week up. But to his credit, he started the rest of his starting roster, right? Guys like Montgomery and Ridley and Diggs and Mixon, all these guys were in. They just sucked. Zay Flowers had 17 points. Unbelievable. Tampa Bay defense, 18 points. Great job. But... Dan, it's another Ian Book situation. I'm going to pivot out of my starting quarterback and pick up the shittiest guy I can find that falls within the rules that we've created to not allow Ryan an easy chance at a top two pick. What are your thoughts on this before I you know, give any further thoughts? What a troll. That's all I got. Uh, what a troll. It's, it's, it's hilarious. I see... I see his point, and I actually wasn't even aware that this was going on. You told me that there's a potential Jones controversy, this uh, loser bracket. And I was like, what are you talking about? I looked it up now. Oh, my God. DeVito, do you think he actually played DeVito thinking he might have decent numbers with a good matchup against Philly? Or is it just no. strictly a troll pick? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> it was a pick where he said, this is going to be funny, and he's going to be bad. But, hey, he might give me 15 points, maybe even 20 points, and it is what it is. But I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to pick up a guy who's going to be the best, one of the best waiver wire pickups of the week. And, and honestly, to Tones' credit, he's probably listening to this cringing right now. It's not like the quarterback position has been good. We've talked about this a million times. The QB position sucks this year. So no matter who he picked up, there was potential of disaster, right? But, man, fucking Tommy DeVito, <laughs> this guy, 
With his 13 points projected, man, like, I don't know. It's just... Here's one thing I'll say about how it's going to work against him is, is going forward in the future, when, say, there's a situation where me and Tones are talk, talking to somebody and trying to get the same player for similar picks, there will be a little bit of an edge knowing that when I say, hey, I'm going to be fighting to win your loser bracket. If I'm out, I'm going to try to win. And you know that he's going to try to lose. So there's a little bit of an edge. Like, maybe I'd rather have this pick go to Dan than Tones because Dan's going to still try to win. And you know why? <laughs> I see you face Polly, but this is why. <laughs> I have I try to have a winning culture with my team. I don't give a right. fuck if I have no say or no reason to win. I still want to win because I, I want to put the best team I could possible, and I want to win. I, I proudly say... I am a two-time loser bracket champ. And one of those times, the pick went to Ryan. And Ryan got two first-round picks that year, and he ended up winning that year. So you could argue, and I could totally see Tone's point, you could argue I helped him win that year because I won the loser bracket for him. And maybe I shouldn't have done that. But at least you know, if you're giving me your pick, I'm going to try my best to win, whether it, whether it benefits me or not, because I just have this winning culture around me. And Tone's, we already said it earlier a couple weeks ago, Mike has the lowest average points for, but Tones has the worst overall record of all time in a league. He also, which I didn't mention at the time, has the the worst, besides CRG, who's never won a playoff match, has the second worst playoff overall record with one uh, win and four losses there too. He's got losses in the loser bracket, losses in the playoff, losses in the season. His He just... Yeah, just one big L across the board for yeah. Tone. So whatever you're doing is not really working. It's time to set up a winning culture in that franchise. I love that. I love this. I think that the the thing that stood out to me the most in all that you said there is two people continue to trade their first round pick in you and Anth and continue to fail in the season and end up in the loser bracket. So I just <laughs> I just think that you guys have to I think you guys just have to figure it the fuck out. I think that's really what what my biggest takeaway is. The that's last true. the last thing I'll say about the actual matchup is that Dustin Hopkins tones his kicker, a, you know, fine kicker. He gets hurt in the second quarter during a kickoff return touchdown. He then misses the rest of that game, cannot score any additional points for Tones outside of the two points he had put up, and then Tones loses this by a point. That full point would have put him 0.02 points ahead of Mike if he had just gotten one PAT conversion beyond what he already did. So Ryan looking at this matchup must be just irate in terms of how the cards fell. I think the best part about all this though, and just from my standpoint, we have a three versus, you know, the the sec Ryan versus Anthony next week for the Ryan is picking third and fourth. It doesn't matter where the chips fall. I want Justin Ross on one of their rosters. I want <laughs> Giorgio Tavecchio as a kicker. I just want the worst roster to ever be constructed yeah. so we can look back in the record books and say, like, holy shit, that's hilarious. So, you know, we'll see how that ends up going. But uh, Also, yeah. who's Brevin Jordan, the tight end? Did he, has he even started this guy, or did he pick him up just for this week? He picked him up last week or the week before because Dalton Schultz was out. So he actually had, like, a really good matchup against the Jets, and then he has just kept him in there as his tight end because tight end is a wasteland. But I do think after Schultz was hurt for a couple of weeks, he did come back. He's just left him in there because tight end is just who the fuck knows who's, who's gotcha. catching. Yeah. Knows. Um, so like I said, Ryan is going to pick third and fourth, regardless of the outcome next week, Mike and Janera for the first overall pick starting. Cause they've got both got their first overall picks, uh, first round picks, which is great. And the one thing I want to mention to cap that off is that it's uh, you won the fifth place game. Congrats. So that means that, you're sitting in the fifth 
spot. Rob is picking in the sixth spot. However, you don't have your first pick. So congrats to Mike, who actually will be taking um, fifth overall next year. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's well, it's a pretty big deal that Ryan's not in the finals and Mike is because they both have tons of picks next year. So it's nice to that Mike has a chance to be first overall. That's a big deal for a rebuilding team with not great keepers either. So um, I think I think CRG might need him more because his keeper situation is a bit more iffy. But I, I'm sure they're both be more than happy to win it. Absolutely. The last thing we have to do before we sign off today, Dan, is we obviously have to look ahead to the finals next week. Oh, baby. And there are a few question marks on Rich's side, as we mentioned. Um, But to tee it all up off the top here, we're looking at Rich Ben, who finished fourth on the year, and Nick, who finished second. So no first place team in here. One of the two teams with a bye. But shout out to the non-bye team for getting in, winning a couple of games to get to this spot. Rich at 8-6 and on the season. And like we said, getting hot at the right time. Rich will be looking for his second championship in this league. Nick will be going for his third. And this won't be the first time Nick will be going for his third. But Nick wanting to be the first guy to do it, to break out of that I've won twice situation with uh, with you and Ryan. So do you want to go? I, I think how we've done this in the past, Dan, is we've kind of gone position by position and just looked at who has the edge and who do you got winning this whole damn thing. And I think I want to start just with an an elite storyline here about how Josh Allen on on Rich's side will be going up against Lamar Jackson on Nick's side. That was a trade that they made, I believe, in November. They made the trade to swap quarterbacks. So this, to me, is a storyline right off the bat. Who's going to be the quarterback that comes out on top? And I've had the argument before. I would rather have Josh Allen in the wintertime in December as the guy who's going to run in those touchdowns and, and be the fucking dude and Lamar, who's been hurt a lot in the winter, you know, the November-December games, who hasn't really been on the field lately. Who do you have as the quarterback with the edge right now? Never mind what's happened in the past, but right now, who do you want and who's given the edge at quarterback? Ooh, that's a tough one. First of all, I didn't even remember that they, they did that trade. They traded Q, uh, QBs early on? What yeah. was that trade about? I, I'm pulling it up just to see. Um, give me your thoughts, I, I, and I'll I, pull I it up it on here, the side. I, I actually see it here right now. It's uh, Lamar... And Kittle for Komet and Allen. Mm-hmm. So I guess Nick wanted to downgrade his QB and upgrade his tight end. I think that would be the logic. And then at the same time, he happens to be getting the quarterback who plays on his team, right? So it being Baltimore. So I think that's... So on Rich's side, he thought he was upgrading his QB. I guess he wasn't happy with, with Lamar. It's, it's a tough one. I think... I don't know. I think they got similar ceilings and similar floors here. I know that, that Lamar sometimes uh, has some struggling seasons. I have a buddy in my league who's so fed up with Lamar because um, if they get close to the one-year line, they're just doing the best of us, right? They're just going in, and, and he's preventing Lamar from rushing it himself or throwing it for a touchdown. So he is getting a lot of vultures with Gus. Um, but with his running, he, his, his, his ceiling is still there. I think... I think you, I, I think Josh Allen still has an edge in terms of a higher ceiling. You see, week 12, 40 points, fantasy points. Uh, week four, 36 fantasy points. You got the Chargers defense, who you know they got terrible defense. They're, pretty, they're basically done for the year, just packing it in. Yeah. That they're facing this week. Uh, oh, sorry, that was last week. Pardon me. Yeah, that was last week. They're facing New England, um, and Lamar is facing Miami, which could be a potential shootout there. You know what? It's it's. I think it's just a, a draw. They're both equally 
uh, good plays this week, and I don't know who has the edge. I think that Nick did win that trade, though, with getting Kittle. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, I think the Lamar versus Miami is very tasty. I'd be worried about New England getting blown out early, and if Josh Allen doesn't have kind of the first one of the first few touchdowns, especially when it comes to rushing touchdowns, I'd be a little worried about Josh Allen this week, just from the whole blowout game perspective. I do think that Lamar's in the better situation because of the shootout potential with Miami, right? Lamar and the Dolphins last year, I think it was the first game of last year, the Dolphins come out and, you know, hang up like 40 points on them. It's just an insanely high-scoring game. I think that will be another potential high-scoring game. Um, this one being in Baltimore and not in Miami, so the weather might play a factor there. But I do like Lamar's matchup this week if we're just going head-to-head. So I might have to give the slightest of edges, and I can't believe I'm saying this going back on my uh, my words on the quarterbacks, but I do like the edge with Lamar because of the matchup. But I like it Josh Allen as a, as a better quarterback. But anyway, whatever. Here, here we are. That's I think across right. the whole season you want Allen more. But as of this week, Agreed. week 17, Lamar gets the edge there. Uh, and even Josh Allen faced New England division rival in week seven. And he, they actually lost New England and only put up 25 points. So you never know when it comes to division games. It could be a complete clusterfuck. I think that it's unlikely that Josh Allen puts up the 40-point performance this week. While Lamar, it's very much in the cards. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think the wide receiver spot is where this matchup gets the most interesting because of the Michael Pittman and Amari Cooper factor. And the unfortunate thing for Rich is that Amari Cooper's playing on Thursday night against the Jets. Two things there. Number one, you got to make a decision early in the week. That sucks. Number two, Amari Cooper's banged up and the Jets are the best pass defense in the league. Now, Tyreek Hill has lit them up this year. Jalen Waddell in a different game has lit them up this year. But when you're looking at it, Joe Flacco against a tough pass D, I know he's been good, but has he played a group like this before? Can he move in the pocket and try to avoid some of the pressure coming? So I'm curious to see what Rich's decision ends up being by kickoff on Thursday evening because right now it's Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, locked and loaded. Is Michael Pittman going to be back this week? Because he is currently sitting in that wide receiver three spot, but he's not yet practicing with that concussion stuff. So I loved, I'd love to see what happens with this, but it's got to be one of those guys. And the worst case scenario is it's not Cooper and it's not Pittman and it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins, who, I mean, has had some blow up weeks in the past few weeks, but the last two weeks, three points, three points, not necessarily a guy you want to lean on going into this spot of the season. So going up against Jefferson, Evans and Lockett with the information that we know, Dan, your thoughts, and I'm keeping into consideration here, Rasheed Rice sitting in that flex spot for Nick. Who's got the edge at wide receiver? And obviously there's a caveat with the injuries, but I digress. You know, this matchup may come down to these two, three injuries he has. I didn't realize the Thursday option with Cooper. That puts an interesting wrench in, in the whole thing because if he didn't practice yet, which he hasn't, uh, he has this heel injury with a massive workload this past week. You would think that the Jets being such a bad matchup, they would probably cover the shit out of Cooper after what he just did to, that, to, to Houston. Um Banged up, bad matchup. Thursday, it might be safer for him to just not play Cooper and wait out the other two guys for Sunday. Um, but what's nice is that he does have that option. You see something like like Nick. Nick is completely healthy, but thank God for that because his bench is Jordan Mason, a handcuff. Uh, Goddard, okay, whatever, another tight end. Kelly, a handcuff. Edwards Hilaire, you know what I mean? Like, his bench is brutal. Yeah. Like, so thank God for Nick that... that that whatever sacrifice he's doing, as Tone says, yeah, it's keeping his team healthy because if he had any injuries, he would have a huge hole in his roster. And fortunately for him, 
early on in the season you would hear, oh, you're starting Rashi Rice and uh, Lockett. That's, that might be holes in his roster. But they've been putting up points. So I think that Nick has the health edge here. Um, um, but if um, Rich, I, I said Olave Garden because it's a stupid team name. He's got to change that team name. If, if he has uh, Pittman and Pacheco in and his team is going in healthy, I think Rich could win. So it's very tight, man. Like, look at the projections, 130 each. Like, no one has had that, that high of a projection the whole year. And it's so, so and, it, and it's so tight, man. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're like, you know, just a, a full point apart in terms of the projections there. And I know the projections are trash. It doesn't matter. But what they're saying is, on paper, these two teams are so dead even. And I do have to give the slight edge to Rich, and only because A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill at the peak of their powers in good matchups to produce this week. I mean, Baltimore is going to send pressure all over the place, and they're going to they're going to get into to, to, to his face. I have no doubt about that. Which means Tyree Kill with a healthy ankle is going to be running all the fuck over the field, and the, the passes are going to be quick and crisp, and it's going to be Tyree just running amok. And you could look at that and be like, oh, bad matchup against Baltimore. Ooh, the the red. You know, they're ranked twenty seventh against the pass, but like. Mike McDaniel will find a way to get the ball in Tyreek Hill's hand in a situation knowing that he has to get it out lickety-split. And so I'm scared of JJ. I'm scared of Mike Evans. But Tyler Lockett in that third spot, man, I just, I have to give the edge. I have to give the edge to Rich no matter which of his receivers are suiting up, man. Because Lockett, you know, last Lockett puts up, whatever, 12 points against me last week. Before that, man, he hadn't put up anything that was even, you know, respectable since week 10. He had 19. So I just... I don't trust Tyler Lockett, and I like Rich's guys. I think A.J. Brown is due to explode against his Arizona defense. He's been a little down lately, but still putting up fairly good numbers. So giving the slight edge to Rich, but health obviously being a massive factor there. Uh, I, I think I got to give the running back edge to Nick, and I don't think there's much we have to talk about this, but when you have Christian McCaffrey, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. James Conner and Jonathan Taylor have proven that they can do it. I like Jonathan Taylor in this matchup. I do, but it's CMC, man. Like... If Taylor can match whatever CMC does, dude, we are having a whole different conversation about where this matchup goes. But it's Christian McCaffrey against Washington's defense. This guy might score four touchdowns this week. Yeah, it's not even fair. Christian McCaffrey is basically a two for one. It's like two RBs for the price of one. He's unbelievable. Yep. So you already say like Connor and Taylor combined have to match McCaffrey because that's the, the kind of ceiling McCaffrey has. Eckler, the, thing, the good thing about Rich is that the Chargers, like we mentioned earlier, are absolutely throwing the tally. They are the worst team in the league right now. They're playing horrible. Eckler is not looking good. I don't think he ever uh, fully healed from his high ankle sprain uh, earlier in the year. He hasn't been efficient. He hasn't been explosive. Um, they have a, a, a good matchup, so he could fall into the end zone. Um, so maybe Nick has his usual luck, and he gets he falls to the end zone and gets 15 points. But I don't expect any boom game from Eckler. It would be similar to what he did this week, I would say. So Rich could win it. Nick could win it. It's 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 scary on both sides. Um, it might even come down to kicker or defense, whatever they end up playing, because it might be like a wash across the board for every other position. It's, it's a, a juicy-looking matchup. And right now it looks like, and this is the scary thing if I'm in Rich's spot, I'm just looking up and down the, the lineup and who's in there right now, but... Sunday night, there is no Monday game next this coming week. So Sunday night, 8.20 p.m., Minnesota versus Green Bay. At home, Minnesota, and Justin Jefferson gets to play in prime time. And Rich has to go up against JJ with no one else in this matchup playing. 
and watch as JJ chips into whatever lead Rich potentially has at that time. And I, I just think that that is one of, one of, if not the scariest thing that you could, I, other, other than Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this could be one yeah. of the scariest situations. I don't care that Nick Mullins is behind center. That guy's thrown that he's, he's shown that he's going to take chances and throw the ball all over the field. So I would be a little worried about that if I'm rich, but I can't wait from just a watchability perspective, looking at everybody in the league right now. That's going to be such a great moment because the last time we saw a finals matchup with a guy in prime time playing as the last guy of the week, it was rich. And we saw what happened with Stefan Diggs. Yeah. So can't wait to see how that plays out. And the only thing I'll say otherwise, it's a toss up between Ingram and Kittle at the tight end spot, just because both those guys have had boom weeks in the last three weeks. Both those guys have had duds. Depends on what the offense does, which direction they choose to go. They both have seemingly tough tight end matchups. I'm putting that in air quotes. Uh, based on the defenses they're up against, so I'm kind of just flipping a coin there. But the last thing I'll say uh, is what Nick is playing for. So obviously we know Rich is playing for his second championship. That's a big deal. But for Nick, we raised a question earlier, rather you and Tones did earlier this year about what's more impressive: Ryan's back-to-back wins or Frank uh, or Nick's um, uh, dynasty run over yeah. the last few years. So just to put it in perspective, um, since. So early on, he won the first year of the season, then he went back-to-back last last place. 2015, 2016, last place, last place. Since then, he's been third place, first, second, fourth, second, fourth, and now he's in the finals again. So he's been, not only has he made the finals the last seven years, he's also been top four. He's also been in the finals one, two, three, for the fourth time in six years. So it's super impressive, needless to say. However, in the grand scheme of things, who knows how long this league runs for? If we, if this league it runs for another 10, 20 years, we look back and we say, yeah. oh, yeah, Nick won in 2018, and that's it. We don't see the, the 2019, 20, 21, 22 because he didn't finish first. It doesn't matter if he finished second, fourth, second, because he didn't win. So this is his opportunity to finally put you know, the dynasty in perspective in history as for if I win this, now I can show that I had success for the past six, seven years. I've won twice, and I've made the playoffs and the finish of the Final Four for, for the last six, seven years. And he needs this win for his dynasty moment. If he finishes in second again, it's lost in history with all the last five years when he's finished second or fourth. You know, it's only one victory in the last six years. For how much success he's had in a regular season, he needs this win to really show that he is a great player. I love the perspective. And on Rich's side of things, the only thing I'll say is that he's been to one finals in 2020. He beat Mike. Talked about Stefan Diggs. That was it. And that's all he needed, right, to get his championship uh, six or seven years into the league. So when Rich gets there, he wins. Small sample size, but um, big storylines going to this week. And I love everything on the line right now. Will Rich join the ranks of two-time champs? We, uh, we're about to- I'd love it. Bring we're it on. To- More two-time, no three-times, please. I need the first three-time. We're recording here on Wednesday. Potentially, we're going to see Amari Cooper on Thursday. But if we don't, we won't get any action until Sunday where the uh, it's going to be a full day's worth. There's no Saturday games, as far as I can see, that are affecting this. There's no Monday games. So we're on the verge, um, and we're right at the end of the season. I can't believe it, Dan. Episode 99, we set it off the top. It's episode 100. Next week, Tones and I will be back to wrap up nice. all the action. Uh, we, we finally we did it. We committed to it. We're going to do it, and we're going to get to that century mark, and uh, hopefully we'll talk about it. Hopefully we have some fun stuff planned. But uh, 
I gotta say, Dan, I appreciate you joining me. You did a fucking amazing job. This is fun. Uh, we're an hour and ten into this, so we uh, we crushed it. Hope the boys enjoy it, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.